Yeah, this is throwing me off. We Leo and Amita are not sitting in their regular place. I'm like I feel like I need to face this way now to <laughs> so, no. Okay, so we're going to talk about discipleship this morning. And uh, uh, so my question for everybody is, if you have not been discipled, why not? That, that's kind of my question. And uh, I'm going to say that again at the end. But discipleship is really all around us. I mean, uh, discipleship is, you know, school. It, it's educating our young people, right? They're, they're becoming students and pupils, and they're learning and they're growing. And at least in my day, you couldn't get to fourth grade till you passed third grade, right? So there's kind of checks and balances. There's accountability. Uh, it's in our... It's in our uh, our business world, right? There's, uh, we have at our company, we have one or two or three uh, interns every summer that are engineers. They're they're either uh, graduating from being an, a mechanical engineer, and so uh, the engineer at our company, the senior engineer. He gives them all these uh, tasks, right? Sometimes they, they go around and they label all the plugins on the walls and it tells what uh, breaker panel it comes out of and what circuit it is. And so he, and that's just introducing engineers to the real world, right? So you spend all day doing all these math and calculations and charts, and but then you get in the real world and you know you got thirty-year-old panels and some of them are fifteen amps, some of them are twenty amps, and then you you work with schematics, you work with AutoCAD, and so it's a whole series. It's a trade, right? And uh, unions do that. They have apprentice, right? We we have a. We don't have our, our we have we are a non-union facility, but we hire union workers. So we have ECA. It's uh, Electrical Cup Corporation of America, ECA, and one of their supervisors is is uh, we call him an embedded contractor. They're they're at our facility twenty well not twenty four seven but every day. But when they have projects, they bring in apprentices, and and the apprentice climbs the ladder and he pulls the wire, and and uh, it's it's been really cool to see this young man Brian. He's probably 25, and he's a hard worker, and you see him, you know, he's just dirty, and he's got the light on his head, and he's just always carrying tools, and and I asked him the other day, I said, you know, Brian, you know, are you an are you a journeyman now? No, he said, I got one more year to go, and. And you know he's been at our company a lot, and so we have different uh, journeymen come through, and so he's worked under several different journeymen because the journeymen sometimes have to make decisions, right? And you know we need three quarter conduit there, not half inch, because we got to pull eight wires instead of six, and you know just those things. And so you get real. So when we talk about discipleship, and for me, when we when we were being discipled, Angie and I with Mark and Lisa. Um, I watched her helping our daughter brush her hair on sunny morning and I, and it just kind of like wow my wife is training our daughter how to dress how to do her hair you know how to act as a young lady and all of you know our daughter and she turned out pretty good we think and, and, and uh, awesome job. she did do an awesome job 
That's discipleship, isn't it? You're training the next generation, and we do that with the Word of God, and we're doing that this morning. And um, Alan Shelby has a statement I like. He says, Old preachers never die. They just disseminate themselves in the lives of their disciples. That That's pretty cool. And so... Um, evangelism has to do with adding. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says that there were 3,000 souls saved on the day of Pentecost. And it says they were, and then they, they were added to the church daily such as should be saved or something like that. But you get a little further in Acts, and I'll read you Acts 6, 7. It says, And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. So disciples multiplied. And uh, uh, Emmett and Pam are here. Uh, how many years have you guys been married? Emma, you should know that. <laughs> this is an Emma question. You should have given him a warning. 54. Wow. I was shocked there for a second, Emma. But you wasn't sure what to say. And so, how many children do you have? We have three. Okay, so when you guys were married and you were being fruitful, you had three children. And do any of them have children? Fourteen. You have fourteen grandchildren. Right. Any greats? Seven. Seven. So do you see kind of the adding turns to multiplying, right? The the Anderson family have fourteen grandchildren. And they're and and boy, you get far, very far down the line and they're not gonna fit in your house, are they? <laughs> so after you add children of your own, then they begin to multiply. And, and so that's what discipleship is. So we don't want to just teach people the Word of God. I mean, we don't want a church that's a mile wide and an inch deep. You know, we want a mile wide and a mile deep. We, we want some... Uh, because I can only pastor so many people. I heard this analogy this morning that... Pastors are like a tub of butter. They can only be spread on so much bread. <laughs> so he, he said, we need to be in the butter business. And so that's what discipleship is. We're making more butter because we need to butter more bread, right? We need to uh, multiply, and, the, and discipleship does that. And uh, Tammy, hope, hopefully this is uh, not uh, too in-depth. Uh, hopefully you're, you're picking up on this because... Uh, this is one of the key drivers of our church. We want uh, all of our folks to go through our discipleship. Uh, I, I, I hate to call it a program. It's really a ministry. And I wanted to share this. Um, most of you know Dina Duggar. She bought me this box. She bought us this box just as a friend. It's a little, it looks like a Bible. She stained it and everything, didn't she? I, th- I think she may have stained it. Uh, but it fits perfectly. Uh, I wanted to show you. These are our discipleship lessons. There's 16, and uh, Cassie's going through it right now. And so hopefully this is relevant to you, uh, hun. And so uh, I wanted to do an introduction uh, to discipleship this morning. Because we've talked about discipleship all summer, but we really haven't talked about the lessons so much. And so... Uh, uh, we used to go to a church that actually took discipleship trips, uh, some to other countries, and I had the privilege of going on one discipleship trip 
to Indiana. And so there was like five of us on... Well, I can't remember how many was on the trip, but there might have been eight, like five guys and five five girls. But anyway, each of our tasks was... Uh, we, we were there for four nights, so one night I would teach one lesson, and all four guys taught one lesson apiece. Uh, so four lessons per night for four nights, 16 lessons. So uh, that, that's what we did at a church in Indiana. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was during that time that God kind of laid on my heart kind of uh, this pyramid. And, and so I, I wanted to just... Um, because... You know, when it, when it comes, uh, Jesus Christ said, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." And and I know building takes work. The, the Bible talks about the work of the ministry. Uh, when I think of marriages, uh, I don't really think of marriages as as work, but I feel like we have to build into it the right things, and it will it will be it will grow. And um, so the very first lesson is on salvation. And so I put it at the very bottom because uh, the Bible says that no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He is, he, he is the foundation. In fact, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 1. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 1, if you will. And uh, would somebody like to read verse 21? And while you're doing that, I'm going to uh, put up some goals here too. So we have learning. This is my outline today. Learnings of discipleship and lessons of discipleship. So the learnings... Uh, And it, you might not want to do this at your very first um, who's got that uh, verse uh, 121 and he shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins right so uh I think the angel's talking to Joseph and uh, the the husband of Mary, the Virgin Mary, and uh, the angel's telling Joseph, uh, Mary's going to have a son, and I want you to name his name Jesus. It says, for he shall save his people from their sins, right? And the name Jesus means Savior. That's, that's my point here. Jesus means Savior. He, he is our salvation. When we put our faith and trust in Him, He comes into our life and He saves us. And Connie, since you read, would you also look up Romans 5.9? I want you to see Romans 5.9 also. It was Romans 5.9? Yeah, Romans 5.9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Yes. So, so when someone asks you if you're saved, and you say yes, 
you're saying you've accepted Christ, but what you're saved from is the wrath of God. You know, there's coming a day uh, in the tribulation period when God pours out His wrath. And we're going to be saved. Uh, in fact, in Thessalonians, it says that we're not appointed to wrath. And so, um, if you're not saved, if you haven't trusted Christ, you'll experience the wrath of God. It's, it's kind of a black and white. I had a pastor who used to tell me... Um, Salvation is digital. It's not analog. Analog is cyclical. Digital is either up or down, on or off. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either born again or, or, or you're lost. And so this very first lesson is about salvation. And um, and so uh, where we're going is this, this chair represents a throne and th- this is the the judgment seat of Christ so it is it is lesson uh, 16 it's got a pair of balances on here it's called the judgment seat of Christ and uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about that one today uh, Jim uh, I'm going to have him prepare a lesson about uh, the judgment seat of Christ sometime we, we, we but it's one of our lessons and um, anyway the, the, these are what at the time, I thought these were pretty meaty. In other words, these are topical lessons about a topic. They're, they're a study about different topics. So in this class, uh, I think what we're going to do next year is go through a book of the Bible. So we'll, we, we call that uh, expository. We, we're expositorily going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Uh, so that's expository. Uh, whereas this is topical. Does that make sense? So it, it's Bible, and, and these are just tools, okay? So this, this is a Bible. This is our, 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 less, our uh, guide for life. And so these are just tools to help us, you know, uh, learn the Bible, right? They're, they're just tools. So these are, this is inspired. These are not inspired. But uh, they were very helpful for me. I, I look at it like kind of a, a structured approach at learning. I, the church I grew up in, you know, you just sat there for, I was in the, uh, a previous church for 31 years of my life. And it, it was good. I mean, I learned all the stories, and I never want to discount, you know, sitting in class and seeing pictures of Bible characters on the wall. And it was so good for our kids to be in church. But after we're saved, we need a structured approach. It, and it's it's healthy to do that. And so our church has that. And uh, anyway, I want you to be part of that if you're not. So... Let me let me build this t- uh, this uh, tabernacle or this uh, pyramid a little bit more. <coughs> so, this is how I'm going to do it. These are the building blocks. I had to practice this at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you count all them up, there should be 16 there. But. Um, I'll do it the way I've got it. So, and you do we need to come up and repaint after he's marked on the walls? <laughs> it's not permanent. <laughs> so, le- lesson number two is about eternal life. So, you know, salvation talks about the Lord being our Savior. 
Uh, we're no longer in the devil's family. We're in God's family. And uh, and then the, the next lesson is about eternal life because we're, uh, we're promised eternal life. And... Uh, the the thing I the thing I think about what we want you to experience in lesson two is that you're secure in Him. I mean, the church I grew up in, you just never knew if you were saved. You know, you're just hoping your good works outweigh your bad, and um, it's a little bit of a miserable thing to kind of be on that fence. You know. Um, I've told this story before, but I remember going to a drive-in theater as a teenager and watching an R-rated movie, and it was pretty bad. And the next day at school, somebody said, man, I can't believe you were at the movies last night. I thought you were a Christian. And I, I was just so ashamed, you know. It's like, oh, I guess Christians don't do that, so I better not do that. And uh, that, you know, so don't smoke, don't don't go to bad movies. You know, music uh, is an issue, and, and all these things. But what what I learned in in lesson two about eternal security, and I've got pages of things I've studied about this. But have you ever done when you were a kid, or with your grandkids or kids? Have you ever seen those books that got dot to dot? And if you follow 1 through 30 or whatever, you've got a picture of something when you're done, right? And I look at eternal security like that, that, you know, you read in John where it says, No man can pluck you out of my hand. Okay, that's a dot. I'm saved. Here's a dot. And uh, then anybody that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. I connect the dot, and I and uh, God promised His eternal life, and He can't lie. And we connect the dot, and when we connect these dots, we've got this picture of eternal life, and, and that's how I look at eternal life. Um, and uh, you know, most of you know our son as well. And, and the thing, the thing, uh, you know, so, sometimes we talk about. Uh, the unsaved world. Well, you know, unsaved is not in the Bible. Unredeemed is not in the Bible. There's the word lost, and there's the word saved. So, what we teach in this lesson is you. It's not so much a matter of once saved, always saved. That that was a big thing when I was growing up. Once saved, always saved. We believe that, but we would say once you're born again, you can't be unborn. So, so no matter what our son does, he could change his name, he could change his appearance, he could move away, but he's always going to be our son. And it's that way with, with Jesus Christ. He purchased you on the cross of Calvary, and when you accept it, it it's a one-way thing. And you may be a disobedient, and you may turn away from him, but he doesn't turn away from you. And so we talk about eternal life, and uh, the lesson three is about ordinances. And what are those? Uh, what are the ordinances that we have in the Bible? Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we we talk about uh, we did that last week. I should give her a candy bar. I didn't bring once I teach regularly, maybe I'll develop that. Uh, so yeah, we so we teach about the important. So being saved puts you in the universal church, the the worldwide uh, church of the Lord, 
And uh, but when you get baptized, you identify with the local body, and so uh, th- this is private and this is public, right? And then uh, the, the Bible actually uses the phrase Lord's Supper. So we, the Lord's Supper is symbolic of, uh, we, we used unfermented bread. There's no yeast, so it's like crackers. And we use unfermented wine. It's grape juice. It's the pure blood of the grape. It's a new wine, the Bible calls it. It's unleavened bread. Did I say leaven? Unfermented. Okay. That's the Greek. Yeah. Well, yeah, bread has yeast and so it's unleavened. So it's unleavened. So that talks about that. Uh the third lesson is Nope, that was the third. So uh the fourth lesson is the Holy Spirit. It bothers me to abbreviate that. It seems like it's dishonoring the Holy Spirit, but but we we talk about uh his uh, in fact, look look at this verse with me, John sixteen, thirteen. And we'll let somebody read this, uh, if you will. John sixteen thirteen. You got it, Rich. How 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 about when he the spirit of truth? It's come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whoever whosoever he shall hear, that shall he shall he speak, and he will sue these things to come. Thank you, Rich. So it definitely there's multiple times in the Bible the Holy Spirit is called a He. It, it's a personality. It's the third part of the Trinity. And uh, He doesn't speak of Himself. He, he, he glorifies the Lord. So, you know, some churches really focus predominantly on the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is to magnify the Lord. So we, we talk about Christ uh, more. But the Holy Spirit is very real. And uh, it says he's a he, and the thing that kind of clicked with me is that uh, you either have him or you don't. I mean, you know, you can't just, you know, cut off a finger, and that finger's not Steve. It's part of me, and so... You either have him or you don't have him is kind of how and and he he teaches us truth so uh, it, it says he will guide you unto all truth I believe and uh, that that was a neat little phrase because in Acts eight the uh, Ethiopian eunuch the uh, Philip came to him and uh, asked him you know do you understand what you're reading and he said how can I except some man should guide me so the Holy Spirit guides us but he uses people to guide us you see what I'm saying in truth so that uh, that's just uh, really cool the Holy Spirit so all of these lessons were just kind of like wow it, it was it was really every lesson was fresh and real and and so I'm just giving an overview uh, but anyway so that was uh, the ordinances the Holy Spirit it's represented as a dove in the Bible and so they have a picture of a dove and then the fifth lesson is on the sword, and we all like that. And uh, something you may not know is this very sword. So uh, this is my sword. That's cool. That's my hand on there. Uh, when uh, Randy Foster uh, uh, helped, uh, we added, these are probably 
40-year-old lessons, but we, we edited them here 10 years ago or so. And so Randy Foster had uh, Terry Wilson uh, take pictures of things. And so anyway, this sword's my sword. It's hanging on the wall. And it's funny, she had to take several pictures, like make sure you're gripping it hard. And oh, yeah. Anyway, it was just kind of a... So I'm a very good uh, hand model. Can you get your autograph, Steve? It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I lost a good So... Uh, <laughs> anyway, we, we teach that the Word of God is in, infallible. And, uh, you know, uh, n- nearly 40 authors, human authors, uh, you know, wrote the Word of God. And uh, it took nearly uh, a little less than 2,000 years. We don't know the exact dating, but Job is about fifteen to 1,800 years B.C., and John the Revelator wrote Revelations about a hundred A.D. or yeah, so you know you're talking sixteen hundred to eighteen two thousand years that they took to write the Bible, and yet there's no contradictions. It's it's only got one author, you know, God uh, God the Father, and uh, th- this is kind of cool. Look at Isaiah. I'll, I'll give you a couple verses about this. Uh, Isaiah. 8.16. This is the only time that the word disciple is mentioned in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah 8.16. It's, uh, I guess I should write that. Yeah, 8.16 in the, of Isaiah. Uh, anyway, I like this because it's the only time about disciples. Who, who has the... You got that one too? All right, Rich. Find up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. Yeah, seal the law. So my testimonies, my law. So in the context of talking about his disciples in the Old Testament, he's using the word testimonies and, and, uh, and his law. And uh, and then the other thing, um, let's all look at John eight eight thirty one in our New Testament. <clears throat> and we'll <clears throat> I was going to read that one. Uh, John eight thirty one. And Jesus uh, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, you know, the word's connected with truth there. And if as we continue, as believers continue, then they're his disciples. And so we need, we need the word of God in our lives. Uh, and we need to continue in it. So there's just a couple verses about the Word of God in this awesome picture on the front. And then uh, the lesson six is on prayer. And uh, these are some pictures from when Randy was in uh, uh, Zambia. Uh, if you didn't know, Randy Foster and his wife, Julie, were in Zambia for three and a half years. And uh, they, uh, Julie was a good friend of mine. Before they went, we were at some Bible studies together. And so he was in uh, Zambia training uh, nationals at Kafulafuta. Kafulafuta something mission. And uh, so th- this lesson is about prayer.
And uh, let's all turn to uh, Genesis. I want you to see a verse in Genesis about prayer. And it's really cool because I believe God showed this to me. And uh, I think this verse is in the lesson. So when we edited it, they they used something that the Lord showed me to... uh, there's, it's Genesis 24. So Genesis 24, and you may have to turn a page here, but uh, I want you to look at verse 45, but before we look at 45, look at verse 12. Th- this is Abraham's servant, and here in verse 12, his servant is praying. He says, And he said, O Lord God, of my master Abraham, he says, I pray thee. So he's saying, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. And then if you look at verse 45, later on in the same story, the same guy is telling Laban and Rebekah's family in verse 45, and before I had done speaking in mine heart... And I'll just stop there. So what I wanted to what I wanted to show you there about prayer, prayer is speaking to God in your heart. There's there's a Bible definition. Did everybody see that? One place he's saying, God of Abraham, I pray thee, and I'm speaking in my heart. And sure enough, God God answered his prayer and gave him Rebekah to give to Isaac, the son of Abraham. And so uh Anyway, there's just some really uh, good things uh, about prayer in this lesson. That it shows God's sufficiency in our life. It it doesn't change God's plan to uh, give us what we want, but it changes us to show that, you know what, God is sufficient. He hears and answers prayer. It may be yes, it may be no, it may be not yet. And so... There's just some really good things about prayer. So then the next lesson is about, uh, if you want to turn to Mark, but we're going to talk about the will of God. We, we all use that phrase, uh, the will of God. We, we want to do the will of God. Well, the Bible actually tells us what the will of God is. So... And so I need you to get two places in your hand again. And and uh, what we're showing you is just, this is one, uh, if, you, if you ever study rules or principles of Bible study, at least uh, no matter who's teaching, one of the principles should be to compare Scripture with Scripture. And we, we do that in this church so that you know it's not just Steve teaching you something that he believes, but we're teaching you what the Word of God says, right? And so when I say what the Bible says, then then believe me, but if I don't say what the Bible says, then, then believe the Bible. So Mark 3, and cross-reference that with Luke 8. So you need two verses in your hand right now, and I'll, I'll get there myself. Uh, Mark 3 and Luke 8. And uh, let's have two different people read this. Uh, Teresa, you haven't read yet. Whenever you get to one of them. Okay, Mark 3 what? You have Mark 3 and verse 35. Verse 35. 
For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. All right. And who has Luke eight twenty one? So what we're we're looking at the same story from two different gospels, and one says the person that does the will of God that's Christ's brother and sister and mother. And eight Luke eight twenty one. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Alright, so I'm just trying to show you, you cannot disconnect the will of God from the word of God. It's the same story, and one says, my brother and sister and mother, they're doing the will of God. The other says, my mother and brother and sister, they're they're, they're obeying the word of God. And so, part of the reason I like this drawing of this pyramid is that these things build on each other. If you're not saved, you're not going to understand these things. But as as we look at the will of God in the Bible, it's going to be connected to the Word of God. And and, and so there's 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 several. You know, the Bible says that uh, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing not willing that any should perish. So we can say from Second uh, Peter 3.8, 3.9, that God is not willing. God's will is that none should perish. And so when we evangelize, we already know God wants this person to be saved. So it's His will, and we know it from His Word. And so uh, there's, uh, you know, there's things that say that uh, it's His will that we be sanctified. So there's some things we don't need to. In fact, I was reading this uh, today. Um, there's some things we don't really need to pray about. It, you know, you don't need to pray. Should I read my Bible? Well, that's it's the right thing. <laughs> Why should we pray? Yeah. Mm. I don't know if I should read my Bible or not. Should I go to church? Well, Christ died for it, so that's okay. I should probably go to church, you know. So we don't need to pray about those things. But uh, anyway, so all these things are kind of building on each other, and you just seen that the will of God is connected to the Word of God. Now turn to Acts chapter 15, and I want you to see this this next lesson that we talk about. And it, it's uh, we talk about the church, and uh, on this pamphlet we actually have a picture of our church. Sometimes we call we call it the local church. So this lesson's about the local church, and uh, we have a picture of our church. Uh, the will of God has got a picture of a of, of a pot and a potter, and it's like the Lord shaping you according to His will. <clears throat> And so, uh, who wants to read Acts fifteen fourteen? Pat Lee, have you got that one, brother? Or are you close? Sure. 15, 15, 14. 15, 14. It says, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And uh, I don't know if you know it, but the word church means a called out assembly. Uh, 
there's one time uh, Moses refers to the church in the wilderness. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is, is, is he mentions the word preacher. Uh, so, but what Pat just read is that um, I don't know if it was uh, that Simeon says that God is taking out of the Gentiles a people for His name. Is that what you said? Yeah, so God used uh, Paul primarily as the, the apostle to the Gentiles and it's for to take out a people for his name. And if you're in here and you're, you're saved, you've been called out. Uh, you have neighbors and co-workers and people in our community that are not saved, but God is taking you out. He's making this assembly called the church. And so church is the people. In fact, there's a verse that says that uh, Paul called the church together. He's not talking to a building, is he? He's not talking to a denomination. We have denominations, but he's talking to a... In in fact, I think the word church appears in the Bible, I think it's 114 times, and about 80% of the time it's referring to a local church, like the church at Thessalonica, the church uh, at Gal- of the Galatians, the the church in Rome. The, so uh, almost uh, always the church is referred to a local church of a body of believers. So uh, anyway, so we teach about that in this lesson. And uh, the next one, if you want to look at 1 Corinthians 12, and th- this is personal to me, so... I'll I'll show you why when we get there. 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, 27. This is a memory verse. Can anybody say it from memory? I mean, look at it and then see if you can look at me and say it if you've been through discipleship. Yeah, 12... uh, can anybody say 1 Corinthians 12, 27? I'll see if I... We are the body of Christ and members in particular. Perfect. That was perfect. Well, you looked at me, though, when you said it. So you get credit. So it says now, like present tense, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And uh, so so these are, these are some... Uh, these are these are some goals of our discipleship ministry. We want people to be established in the Word of God. You know, are you reading your Bible faithfully? Do you have a quiet time? I mean, that, that's pretty practical. But um, you know, all this is for our growth. And uh, you know it from uh, kids or grandkids or when you were a kid. You know, when you're little, everybody's feeding you, and it's all about me, right? And, uh, but you know, as you grow, you know, Angie, Angie does a daycare out of, our, out of our home, and, you know, she's got goldfish or animal crackers, and those little kids can begin to feed themselves, can't they? And, you know, you give them a spoon, and it gets messy, but they can do it. And before long, they can open the refrigerator door and they can pour something and yeah, they're going to spill it sometime. But, you know, by the time they're 
teenagers, they can feed themselves, right? And so that, that's what this does. You, you get established and you're reading and it's like, okay, now, okay, I, I still need to go to church and have other people teach me, but now God is teaching me. And, and that's what we want to be established in fellowship of other believers. <clears throat> That's what we're talking about here with other Christians. And uh, other Christians are, are likened to a body. And the, the reason I, I said that was kind of personal to me is uh, some of you know I'm going to have to get operated on. I tore my rotator cuff a uh, month ago, well, August 17th, three weeks ago. And, uh, and I'm going to see the orthopedic surgeon this, this Thursday. And so uh, it's amazing to me. I mean, this hand has to help this hand draw on the board right now because I just can't. I don't have that motion right now. And uh, you know, to get dressed, I'm just thinking, my goodness, I, you know, I really can now empathize with people that are handicapped, right? You know, you just take for granted some things that you can do. So uh, other Christians, I mean. I feel handicapped when uh, brothers and sisters that I used to, that used to sit here in the church when they're not here anymore. It's like, man, I needed that person, right? And, and so we're members in particular. We need other Christians. So we, we want people to be established in that. And, you know, if you can picture kind of a, a bullseye, you, you know, the outer ring is kind of, uh, you know, there's a, it's kind of like, I'll probably say this wrong. Uh, you, you have some people that, that show up for church. They're, they're here, but they're kind of on the peripheral. And, and, uh, and you have you know, this class. We have this class. You're, you're more part of, of, a, of other believers. But if you're involved in ministry, that's kind of more of a core thing, right? I mean, uh, you begin to know stuff about their family and what you, what you know and like and believe and all the so um, so you know are are you at church? Have you been baptized? Are you taken of the Lord's Supper that we had last week? And and then uh, kind of the final goal is you know when you're done you know. This this whole thing, uh, I know, Connie, you were a little more on the fast track, but you're looking at six months to a year, easy, right? Typically, and uh, so it's a commitment. But people invest in you for a year to teach you these lessons, and now uh, it, it's really natural that you want to serve others now too. It's like, wow. Uh, I can now go to the refrigerator and let me get something out for my little brother or sister, right? And so uh, our people, the discipled us, I like this saying, they, they said, discipleship is like one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. And you can kind of picture that in your mind, couldn't you? Picture a homeless person, like, hey, they left this food out over here and... Uh, or maybe somebody brought some food, and here you want some. It's because we're we're all beggars in that in that sense. So, all right. So the next one is giving. Uh oh. <laughs> next. That's when it gets quiet, right? <laughs> but uh, th- this thing about giving, you know, when they were building the tabernacle. It says that they, uh, you know, when God gave Moses the vision for that, 
I'm trying to think. I think it. I want to say it's Bezalel was the the wise builder. But Moses, like you know, bring your bring your tithes, bring your offerings, bring your sacrificial gifts, and it says that they did it with a willing heart. And so I, I like that, and, and God has to remind me of that. And uh, so so we teach that. Uh, the the first mention of tithe in the Bible, I believe it's Genesis 13 with 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 Abraham, and uh, when he took a spoil, when he uh, and his men spoiled the uh, the enemies there, uh, it says he gave a tenth of all to uh, the king of Sodom. And so that's the first mention of tithing in the Bible. That's what the word tithe means: is a tenth. And uh, does anybody know? Was Abra- Did he live before the law or during the law? What do you think? I know it's hard to keep date. Was he before Moses or after Moses? Man, huh? Uh, Abraham. Did Abraham live? Did this happen? Did he tithe before the law or after? It was before, wasn't it? And, and the reason I bring that up is because when you tell people they need to tithe today, some might say, well, we're not under the law. Well, it was a principle before the law, and the law did require, some things was even 20%. Uh, and so even though the New Testament doesn't say we should tithe, it's kind of a, a good rule of thumb, a good place to start. And uh, uh, I'll, I think I got time to share this. When we were first being taught this, um, we we actually require this of our Bible Institute students. Um, Pam's in Bible Institute. I don't know if anybody else. uh, But uh, in order to be in our Bible Institute, we want you to be a tithing member of this church. And, uh, but... I, I don't see that, so don't worry. I don't know what anybody gives, and Brian doesn't either. But at the time people sign up to go to the Bible Institute, somebody checks that. And honestly, I think the average income for Cass County is thirty-five to forty thousand dollars a year. So they just say, you know, is that person close to a tithe of forty thousand or thirty-five thousand? And if they're not, then they might report it to the pastor. So nobody knows what anybody gives. So don't ever worry about that. But uh, but but that could be a flag that you know if if this person has you know a covetous spirit, or they're you know they have this love of money, you know that they're probably not going to be suited well to minister uh, the word of God if if they're you know. Uh, you know, sinful in this area. So, anyway, um, I think the example I was going to give. So, I I actually was in Shepherd School of Ministry, and it was my first year. And uh, the church we were going to, they sent us a giving statement. And so, I seen this giving statement, and 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 I honestly don't remember how much it was. And but I told my wife, I said, you know. We should start giving at least five dollars a week more. And she's like, "No problem. Okay, five dollars a week. That's not a big deal." And so we did that. And that very next week, 
some people she babysits for, they're like, Angie, you know, you haven't raised our child care rate since we've been coming here. We just want to start paying you $5 a week more. Just out of the blue, we start giving the Lord $5 more and somebody gives us $5 a week more. Well, that's great. So then a couple weeks later, I get my W-2 statement from, you know, from the government. And I look at it and I look at our giving statement. I'm like, honey, we really need, I think I said 20 or $25 a week more on top of the $5 more we start giving. And, and she said something like, you know, that, that's going to kind of hurt, but I think we can do it. And uh, so we start giving 20 more a week on top of the five. So now we're giving 25 more a week than we did the year before. And uh, it was like a week, maybe two after that, that my boss called me into his office and said, Steve, you've been in maintenance for five years now, and, and you're, you're now a level D uh, maintenance guy, and, and here's your raise. And it was about uh, $85 or $90 a month more. Awesome. About twenty a week more, and from then on, we're like, okay, God sees what we're doing. We're just going to start giving the tithe, and and so anyway, that was just a neat story that I wanted to share about tithing, and so it has to do with control and you know not holding things too tightly, and and uh, the next lesson is about uh, this is going to sound redundant. M and P, money and possessions. So, so we talk about giving here, and we talk about money and possessions here. And, and again, um, th- this is just about stewardship. And G- Jim, you know, now now we look at all areas of your life. You know, are your kids the Lord's, or are they yours? Are, is your home yours, or is it the Lord's? Is your car yours, or is it the Lord's? So. You know, all these things... So all of this gets real practical, doesn't it? Um, and then the next, Lesson 12, we we talk about sin. And uh, can, can anybody give a good definition of sin? Uh, what do you think sin is? When you go against God and do things that you know is wrong and you don't care. Perfect. That, 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 in just a general way, Rosie, it's any wrongdoing. There's anything you do wrong. And and a good Bible verse, it's in First John, it says, um, sin is a transgression of the law. So, so the Bible defines it. So we say it's any wrongdoing, but the Bible says sin is a transgression of the law. So when we violate and disobey the Word of God, it's a sin. And in this lesson, we talk about categories of sin. And those categories are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we look at Adam and Eve, and we see that with Eve. And we see that the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted in those same ways ways and uh, the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin and uh, so be turning to Galatians now Galatians chapter 5 we got about uh, 10 minutes here Galatians chapter 5 Galatians 5.13 
and, this, and and like I say, all these kind of build on each other. Who's got five thirteen for us? Uh, you got a Connie? For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So, so we've been called unto liberty. This freedom, I wrote freedom here. Now, I don't know if this is in the lesson, but uh, this, I think this is wisdom. Somebody said once, when you're saved, you have the freedom to do what you ought to do, not necessarily the freedom to do what you want to do. Do you see what I'm saying? So, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, is it Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me so the things we we can do all things in Christ which strengthen he's not going to strengthen us to rob a bank right that might be something you want to do but you don't, you're not free to do that and uh, most of you guys know uh, Royal Sloggenbush he was the guy making the, the balloon animals on Friday night and uh, Royal led me to the Lord and Royal went on one of these discipleship lessons or a discipleship trip and he had to teach this lesson and uh, he, he, he had to really get specific with kind of you'll, you'll think this is semantics but uh, he has to use the word however instead of but and uh, let me explain that you are free to do whatever you want to do. However, there are consequences. He had to say however instead of but. So instead of saying you can do whatever you want to do, are you free to do whatever you want to do? Used to be we'd say yes, but. Well, he had to take away the but because you really are free. When you're in Christ, you're free to do whatever you want to do. However, there are consequences of, you know, disobeying the Lord, right? It, it doesn't cause you to be lost, but we all know the consequences of sin. We've all failed. We, we've not always all obeyed. So we're still saved. We're still God's... So I want you to see how the, our freedom builds on our our eternal security. So we're still we're safe... Even when we sin, we have freedom to sin, but there are, I said but, however, there are consequences. <laughs> I'm trying to get away of the word but, uh, because I, I know uh, a very close person to me would say that if you don't do certain things, if you slip and slide away from the Lord too much, you'll be lost. And it's it's a little... Uh, and and he he would tell me that to his to my face, and uh, that that's just an area we we disagree in, uh, because I put all those dots together and I've got eternal life, therefore I have liberty in Christ, and then uh, turn to Colossians. We'll look at this next one. We've got uh, two more to go here, three more to go. Uh, look at Colossians 3 and Pam I don't think you've read for us do you mind uh, 322 through the end of the chapter 
Colossians 3, 22 through 25. <clears throat> Servants, obey in all things your masters <clears throat> according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. That he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Amen. So we need to uh, serve the Lord and uh, in our you know, on our job, and not not just with eye service. That that's kind of convicting. In other words, not just when people are watching, right? So we we would say, you know, uh, eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. And so we need to. Uh, it's funny. We we called uh, we called some people this morning on our way here, and uh, and I asked I asked the person on the phone. Is this other person? Do you think they're a Christian? Because I, I tried to witness to, to him a couple weeks ago, and and uh, she said, I, I think so, because they they've really handled things with the business very upright. They've really went above and beyond. So she she thinks that they're Christians just because of the way they do their business. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And uh, would to God that other people could say, Wow, yeah. you know, Jim really conducts himself. You know, like a godly man. Uh, wonder what he's got that I don't. You know, right? And so, so we have a whole lesson about our job and employer, and we don't want to. Di- so all these again are just very practical. You know, our job, our, our giving, um, our time in the Word, and then uh, this next one is with the lost. We have a lesson about the lost world. And uh, Cassie, what lesson are you guys on? I'm only on lesson four. Okay. The Holy so you're on lesson Holy Spirit. And uh, you meet with Candace? Good, good. So uh, anyway, this is kind of where you're going. So we have a, a lesson. In fact, uh, this kind of sets up next week. Uh, Pam's going to talk to us about uh, evangelism. And uh, when we talk about the lost world, we, we said earlier this year that uh, our uh, God's mission is to replace His image in lost man uh, through salvation. So uh, all this is this year is kind of tying together if you've been with us. And so God's mission is to replace God's image in lost man that was lost in the fall by way of salvation. And so uh, anyway, this lesson has a picture of the world on it. And uh, so God, God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall uh, believeth on him uh, uh, should not perish but have eternal everlasting life I messed that up a little bit and then uh, the last one uh, is is about uh, the judgment seat of Christ and uh, I've been really uh, proud of my wife she's been sharing with her sister we, we actually prayed with her sister like 10 years. We weren't sure if she's saved, but we believe she is. And she's starting to listen to, you know, good preachers on the radio. And she's, 
starting to think about the judgment seat of Christ and her kids. Are they saved? And and so Angie's really been uh, talking with uh, her about what happens at the judgment seat of Christ. And 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 like uh, everything, uh, the Bible the Bible tells us and. It, 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 we're to build on this foundation uh, gold, silver, and precious stones rather than wood, hay, and stubble. And uh, so the, the key word for this was uh, motive. You know, what is our motive? Why do we do what we do? Uh, and so all this, you know, uh, comes about to uh, change our way of thinking to biblical thinking. Because right now in this room, I know, I know. I know every one of you believes something wrong, and and I do too. We all we all need to be in the Word of God because we've got stinking thinking, and we believe wrong, and we speak wrong, and we act wrong because we believe wrong. So discipleship is to train us up in the Word of God, so that it will it will transform us by the renewing of our mind, and uh, we would be more conformed to the image of Christ. And uh, look at one last place. We're about out of time. Look at First Chronicle. This is going to be a tough one to find. You may have to look at your index. But I just read this yesterday. This is where I'm reading at in in the book of First Chronicles. It's in your Old Testament. And look at chapter 17. First Chronicles 17 and. I always pray that the Lord will show me something. You know, you go through lists of names and you it doesn't seem but I just rejoice sometimes when I recognize a name. It's like, okay, I know that guy. So first uh, Chronicles seventeen and let me read verse twenty three and twenty four to you. And and this is where David was just told that he his seed is always going to be established on the throne. And so, First Chronicles seventeen twenty three says, "Therefore now, Lord, let the thing that Thou hast spoken concerning Thy servant and concerning his house be established forever, and do as Thou hast said." Verse twenty four, "Let it even be established that Thy name may be magnified forever, saying." The Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, even a God to Israel. And let the house of David thy servant be established before thee. And uh, the thing that the thing that this jumped off the page to me is God is the God of Israel and also to Israel. And, and this is where I want to close today is what I believe... And, and again, I'll ask you, if, if you haven't been discipled, why not? Somebody's going to teach you the Word of God for free. It was just natural for me. I wanted to be that. But what I believe salvation will do, it will take Jesus Christ from being your Savior and He'll make Him your Lord. He was the God of Israel already, but now He's going to be the God to Israel. He, God is the Savior of the world, but oh, He's my Savior. Well, I want to be His Lord. You'll, you may be a good Christian because you're saved, but when He becomes your Lord, you do anything for your Lord, right? Like, He's the Lord. Well, yeah, yes, I'll do that. And so uh, let, let's just leave it right there and, 
And I'm going to close and we'll uh, go to the main service. And uh, we may talk a little more about the judgment seat next week. And I'll fill in whatever. Pam's, Pam's going to teach us about evangelism next week. Uh, don't forget that the Bible conference is coming up September 20th through the 23rd. And uh, we're going to make 25000 by. I'm going to try to hold off my surgery till after the 23rd so I can help all I can uh, while... While that's going on, so I'm going to power this down, and and then we'll have a word of prayer.